Let's all stand again and open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's dive into the Word tonight. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 7. If you see me playing with my ring, my ring is one of the things my wife got me for my, for, for my birthday. And uh, I've, I've had three and I've lost them all. And I've gone a long time without them. And finally she said, I'm putting a ring on you. I don't know what she thought was going on. but I'm, So now I find myself all the time going, I've only had it for a day, you know, so. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hmm, think about that. How do you take instruction? How do you, how do you look at the Word? Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Father, we thank you for your word, and we want to be a people who receive your word with joy. Father, not just to know it, but to be changed by it. We want to be hungry for instruction, not resistant to instruction. Father, we pray that all the stuff that the enemy would do to hamper us from learning, that you'd just silence the enemy. All the pride that would come into our life that would make us think we know better. Help us to cast it off and trust you. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If you were here last week, we talked about the fact that over the month of May, we're going to talk about the first nine chapters of Proverbs. These nine chapters are really kind of presented to us uh, like a, a call to follow a mother and father's instruction. It's a call to the overall purpose uh, of wisdom. And then when you go out of chapter 9, it gets into these statements of wisdom that we're going to take a lot of time and look at in late June and early July and August. Wisdom is the call for our lives. Last week we talked about the fact that wisdom is the goal of knowledge. We don't just learn things to learn things. We learn things to learn how to act, to apply it to our life. We study, we read, we sit in classes, we, have, we go to discussion groups and small groups so that we can take that word that we learn and go out and apply it into all the various areas of our life. Wisdom boiled down is how to act. It's about how to act. So, for instance, uh, you can study all the second coming stuff that you want to study, and if it doesn't drive you to be ready to stand before God. You haven't really learned much. If, it's just, if it just drives you to be smug towards people who haven't studied as much as you, it's kind of worthless. The study of that kind of thing should raise our awareness and it should drive us to live a holy life and it should drive us to be a witness so I know people, they can, they can tell you all sorts of things that they believe about the second coming, but they haven't won anyone to Christ in their life. They haven't been a witness to anybody in their life. In fact, they're offensive with the way they present themselves with second coming information. And, and that's, it's not supposed to be offensive. We're supposed to learn how to act. It should drive us to, the Word of God should drive us to a holiness and to a righteousness. Now, the, the first steps of wisdom is stated right here, fear of God. What does that mean? That we, tr that we tremble for Him? Well, we will. But that we have respect for God, that we stand in awe of God, that we're not playing games with God. We're not, we don't think we can manipulate God or confuse God or trick God. We respect God. We stand in awe of God. Now, fear of God drives us to obey God. If you really fear Him, don't, don't, say, don't tell me, 
uh, you know, I fear God and then go out and lie all the time. You don't really fear God if you're doing that. You know, don't, don't, don't say you fear God and cheat at work. You know, that's not really fear of God. You, you, can't, you can't ignore who God is and what God has said if you really fear him. You're going to act the way he tells you to act. You're going to do what he tells you to do because you have this awe of him and this respect from him, from, of, of him. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, is a very well-known passage. It says that this guy is questioning Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love the Lord, your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So why do all the, the, the commandments depend on these two statements? Some, some versions say all of them hang on these two statements. Do you know why it says that? Because if you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to obey all the commandments by nature. You're not going to have to memorize them all. You're going, to begin, you're going to do them by the nature of who you are because you love and fear God and because you love your neighbor. Loving God and people is the pathway to a wise life, a life that knows how to act. When we love people, regardless of how they act or who they are or what they do or how they're shaped or what their attitude is like, we're going to learn how to act towards those people even when we don't like how they're acting towards us. Even when they're not being wise towards us, we're going to be wise towards them. When we love God, we're going to act inside the direction of God even when our flesh doesn't want to because we love God. Loving God means simply, I want to please Him first and foremost. I mean, you understand that, don't you? It doesn't matter how much you please your boss. If you don't please God, you're in trouble. The first and foremost being that I need to please is the creator of my soul. I want to live to please him. Doesn't, doesn't matter what my flesh says. My flesh may say to me, well, everybody else is lifting their hands and praising God, but you don't, you know, you're just not that type. The Bible says, yes, you are. You're that type. Let, every, let everything, let everyone lift their voice. Let everyone lift their hands and praise God. He's worthy of our praise. You know, you may say to yourself, I don't have to obey that law. The Bible says we obey all because we love God. We fear God. Loving God, fearing God, means we're going to show respect for what God does. That is going to teach us how to act, and we're going to be wise because of it, and we're going to be hungry to know what God has to say because we want to be wiser still. We're going to be, we want to be wiser still. Now, what does loving people mean? Does that mean we accept everything that people do? No. Loving people is what the rest of Proverbs is about. The rest of Proverbs is tells us how to treat people, what our responsibilities are, how we respond to people, what we do. So we're going to spend some time talking about this wisdom that comes of how God would tell us to treat our enemies and to treat our friends and to respond in the world that we're in because God wants us to grow in wisdom. So loving people means I do what is wise toward them. I act the way God would have me to act towards the people around me regardless of how they act. But I walk in wisdom with them because I've le I learned a word. So, Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And what we see through the first nine chapters 
uh, Proverbs is that the chief role of a mother and father is to speak godly wisdom into the lives of their children. Mom and dads, hear me, you're going to stand before God someday. And your chief role isn't that you have, you know, bought them the nicest clothes or you taught them to be a great athlete. The chief role of us before God, the wise role before God, is that we teach them the principles of God and they learn to love and serve God. You say, well, what if I didn't have a godly mom or dad? Well, that's why God supplies his word. That's why God supplies his spirit. And that's why God supplies the church. Is so that we can come in and say, you know what? I didn't have a mom or dad who loved God and sought God and obeyed the principles of God and taught me how to serve God. I need to know how to do that how am I going to learn? How am I going to make up for all those lost years? I'm going to make up for those lost years by studying His Word. I'm going to make up for those lost years by listening to His Spirit in my life and asking Him, what do I do? And I'm going to make up for those lost years by surrounding myself with Christians and learning how Christians act. This is why being in a small group can be so good because you can go in there and say, well, I got this going on at school and this kid's treating me this way or this person's treating me that way or this is what's happening at work. And you're surrounded by people who say, let me, let's tell you how, how we've handled that. We've all, we've all faced that. Let's tell you how we've handled it. Let's tell you what we, what, what we would encourage you to do. And so you begin to work on this aspect of growing as a person of wisdom. The purpose of the Spirit, John says, is to lead us, to teach us, to remind us of all the things we need to know. And so, as we're going through life, we're asking the Spirit, how do I act in this? What do I do in this situation? All I've known is what my flesh has always, has always done. What I've known is what this world's always taught me. God, help me speak to me, teach me how to act in this situation. And what Proverbs chapter 1 tells us in this verse is that wisdom is what makes the life beautiful. It's when we learn how to act. When we fear God and we obey God and we love people rightly, that's when our life really becomes uh, beautiful. Have you ever been, been around somebody and you just thought, man, they are just ugly? I'm not talking about their flesh. They just have a nasty personality. They just have an ugly attitude. They just have a dirty mind and a dirty mouth. What's, ha what's happening? What, what are you saying? They're not walking in wisdom. They're not applying the Word of God to their life. They're difficult. They're hard. They're stubborn. They're greedy. What are we saying? They, they haven't applied the Word of God, and obey, to obey the Word of God in their life. That's what we're trying to learn. God, help me not to accidentally be ugly. Help me not to accidentally, because I, because I don't know better, because I haven't learned better. Don't let me be nasty. Don't, don't let me be, you know, someone that is not appealing, not showing the light, but let your wisdom be a garland on my head and adore, adore me with your wisdom and how to treat people and how to act towards people so that people will see your wisdom in me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. What's he, we get this. I mean, this is pretty simple, isn't it? He's saying, listen, it's better to find wisdom, to learn how to act. It's better to get understanding in how to conduct yourself in life than to get rich. 
And they have all kinds of stuff. It's better for your kids that they learn that than for them to get wealthy. They say blessed, happy, or empowered are those who pursue after wisdom. God says it's to be sought more than we seek wisdom. The, so we sit, think about this. You look at your children and you think, boy, I'd like for them to grow up. And, and what do you want them to be? I want them to be wise. We look at our life and say, what? How do, what do we want to be in the days ahead? We want to learn wisdom. We want to grow in understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that a person who's wise may not get some money. They may. But wisdom is better than money. Wisdom is better than stuff. Wisdom adorns you better than stuff. You can be rich and hated. You can be rich and despised. You can be rich and your family not like you, not want to be around you. You have all kinds of stuff and have all kinds of issues. And God is saying to us, listen, better than having all that stuff is learn how to be wise. Learn how to be wise. goes on to say, uh, long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So see, what's he saying? If you have wisdom and understanding... There's long life, and you can, there's, there's some honor coming with that, and there's some riches coming with that. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. So here's one of the questions. Is there a lot of turmoil in your life? Is there a lot of turmoil in your relationships? Is there a lot of brokenness in your relationships? Somebody isn't being wise. And the first place to look for that is, okay, am I being wise? Because when I'm wise... I'm not going to feed a fire. I'm going to calm the fire. I'm going to be wise. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone who uh, you know, obeys God in every way is going to live a long life. Remember, this is a principle. But what it does mean is it's going to lower the strife in our life. It's going to lower the conflict. It's going to lower the, the intensity of difficulties because we're not going to be adding to it. What it means is this. We're going to be better at relationships. We're going to be better at relationships. Your relationship's going to get better. Now remember this. There's one real exception to this that we'll read about later. And that is if you're dealing with someone who is just evil or wicked. If you're dealing with somebody who's evil or wicked, uh, this is a concept I've been talking about a little bit I want you to capture. When we're evil or wicked, we are being, we've given in to the power of the enemy. We're just, we've just thrown off excuses and we're going to live any way we want to live and we're going to resist the Word of God. We're going to resist it. And when you're in that place, the enemy's natural inclination is to resist and be angry with the godly. We, we see this. We see this today. I've talked about this. We see this today. You see talk show people who defend Islam that if they were under Islam, they wouldn't be on TV. You follow me? But they defend Islam. And then if you say something about Christianity, what do they do? They attack it. What is it? It doesn't even make sense, does it? You think about it, and you think, this doesn't even logically compute especially if you've got a woman who's saying that and understanding that in an Islamic country that woman would have no rights at all and she's defending Islam and attacking Christianity which lifts women up. It's just a confusing thing. Why is that? Because the spirit of the enemy is naturally against the spirit of Christ. So sometimes you meet people and they're just, 
they're just going to be against you because as you try to be a Christian, they just don't like it. And they may not even know why. They may not even know why. But overall, you're going to have better relationships. Verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. We see it all around us. By his knowledge, the, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life to your soul and an adornment to your neck. I want to stop there. Life to our soul. What's the Spirit of Christ give us? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. As we walk in the wisdom of God with openness to the Spirit of God, our soul is filled with life the way it's supposed to be. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. You will lie down and you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So let's stop at verse 24. He says, when we're walking in wisdom, then God deals with our fears. When we're walking in wisdom, we get the peace of God in our life. The enemy tries to fill us with fear and keep us awake, but when we've got the wisdom of God, we rest because we trust God. We can look at things and go, I don't know how this is going to work out. This really bothers me. I don't see an end to it all, but I know who God is. I trust God. So I'm going to go to sleep and let the enemy do his thing while God takes care of him. I'm not going to, can't worry about this. I don't have power over it. It says, do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the, for the, or the, or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. He says, listen, don't be afraid something bad's going to happen. Trust God. Just trust God. Whatever comes your way, God's going to give you the strength to walk through it. For the Lord will be your confidence. You're walking with the Lord's going to be your confidence. You're not, you don't have vain kind. You're confident in the Lord and will keep your foot from being caught. So go back up with me real quickly to verse 23. It says, then you will walk on your way securely. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, we were praying about this issue of, you know, what's our vision, what's the preferable future for people who are part of Calvary Church. And I remember, remember praying about this and trying to put the right words, trying to play with words. And, get, and finally the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me. He said, I've already told you what it is. And, and he directed me to John 10.10 10, where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life to the full. That's Jesus' vision for us. Think about that. Jesus' preferable future for you and me is that our life would be life to the full. Now, as Americans, we have to be pretty cautious with that because we can get some pretty warped ideas about what life to the full is. I, I had actually had somebody tell me once, I came to your church and I saw that your vision statement was life to the full and I thought, oh, this is one of those prosperity places where everybody's going to get rich and everybody's going to have a Cadillac and all this. I said, no, 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 that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. The second point of our vision when we describe what is life to the full is that we would walk in the security that comes only from living in obedience to the Word of God. When we live in obedience to the Word of God, security can be ours. We don't have to worry about things. We don't have to fret about stuff because the promises of God will be ours if we obey the conditions of God. Friends, I'll tell you what, I'd be real cautious. I'd have been real cautious about having kids if I didn't believe that, I'd be real confident. Do I want to bring somebody into this earth that could end up spending eternity in hell? I don't want to do that. I want to bring, I want, I want my kids to go to heaven. So I want to walk in the security that they can have that walk with God. Now, for me to do that, 
I've got to be obedient to raise them with the values and the relationship with God that they're supposed to have. I've got to work at that. That's what all this first part of Proverbs is about, is mom and dad speaking these words of wisdom to them, talking to them wisely, responding to them wisely. You say, well, pastor, my kids are grown, and I didn't do that, and now there's, i got this mess on my hands. What do we do now? You pray and you learn wisdom and how to tr- respond to Him now. You ask God to move through your life now, and you begin to speak wisdom to them that they would get that they would begin to see the light of the gospel. And I'll tell you, that may be a long struggle. But just accept the struggle and trust God. Security comes when you walk in obedience to the Word of God. You want to walk in security? You want to walk without fear? You walk in obedience to the Word of God. Now, Proverbs chapter 7 says, My son... Keep my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What the Word of God is teaching us, and this is so clear, so easy, is that we have to be serious about it. That's why you're here tonight. You're here because you're serious about knowing the Word of God. This is why we challenge you to read the Bible, to be serious about knowing the Word of God and to recognize, is one of the great things we've got to do, is recognize where things are not going the way they should be going. And now seeking out the Word to say, how do I act in these circumstances? You've got, you know, a boss that's just really mean and nasty. How do I act? I need to find the Word of God. What does the Word of God tell me to do? I've got, you know, this you know, brother-in-law who makes fun of my faith and rips into my faith every chance he gets. How do I treat him? What do I do in these circumstances? How do I respond? I've got a, a mom or a dad who's manipulative and controlling How do I respond to them? What do I do? I want to chase after the Word and discover what the Word would tell me to do. I want to learn what the Bible would say for me to do. I want to discover that. So here's the first thing. We keep His Word. Day in, day out, you keep His Word. Even when you don't like it. Even when you don't think it's the wisest thing to do. Why? Because what you're doing when you do that is you're leaning on your understanding instead of leaning on God's understanding. You want to keep His Word. We still act in love. It doesn't mean we get run over. We act in firmness but we do it kindly, we do it without anger, we do it without frustration. We just look and say, I can't do that, or I disagree with that, but we don't get in fights and arguments and get drug into the middle of their spirit. We keep the Spirit of Christ about us. Are you with me? Am I I clear about it? We keep the Spirit of Christ. We keep His Word even when we have to disagree, even if we have to say no, even if we don't like the way we're being treated. We keep His Word. Number two, we treasure His Word. We treasure it. We we look at it as valuable. We see it as valuable. And so we begin to pursue it. We begin to read it and say, God, teach me and help me to understand. This is better than riches. This is better than jewels. We treasure it with our children and our grandchildren. We point them to the Word. We read the Word with them. We share the Word with them. When, we, when, we're, making, when we're making big decisions or we're helping them go through tough situations, we help them learn how to wrestle with the Word in the middle of their circumstances by saying, okay, let's think about what God would say to us in this. What would God tell us to do? How would He tell us to act? How would he tell us to respond? We're going to treasure the Word. 
Number three in this is we're going to cherish his word. We're going to love it. We're going to want it. We're going to cherish his word. And number four, we're going to know his word. I want to know it. I'm going to put it in my heart. I'm going to set a plan to help me know it. I'm going to set a plan to help my kids know it. We're going to talk about it. I love it when my kids, even now as adults, when they call me and say, Dad, I was reading this. What does this mean? Let's talk about this. Help me understand what that means. That's a great moment, friends, because what are they doing? They're trying to know the Word. They're trying to know what the Word is. So there's got to be, this whole passage is about there being some effort on our side to get the Word and apply it into our lives, to be self-feeders, to be a people who stand on our own, who don't need five other Christians around us to do the right thing, that we know the Word and we build our life on the foundation of God's Word. Is that good? I hope you're doing that. There is treasure in wisdom. Trusting God's Word makes you wise. So let me give you a couple things. The Bible says that a wise man controls his emotions, he controls his temper. So I've got to look at my life and say, how am I doing with that? How am I doing when I get annoyed? How am I doing uh, when something bad happens? how, How do I do when the kids are going crazy? Do I deal with them out of my anger or my temper or, or, or do I stay controlled? doesn't mean I let the kids go crazy. It means I control how I stop them from going crazy. I don't become part of the crazy. Are you with me? But I, can, I control my emotions. I, I control that aspect of my life. I control my temper. The Bible teaches us to tell the truth. So how am I doing with that? How am I doing with being a truth teller? The Bible tells me to tell the truth with love. How am I doing with that? Am I just a, a, you know, a harsh mouth that tells people things they don't want to hear? Or have I learned to say, you know, I'm going to do the loving thing in the middle of this. I'm going to tell the truth. The Bible tells me to help those in need. That God blesses those who help people in need. So, when was the last time you helped somebody in need? What would you do for them? What would you do to make a difference? So, I don't even know what to do. You can sign up to go to Kumler and help at Kumler. You can sign up to go to one of the other feeding places that we work at. You can sign up to, uh, to help people in our church that have issues in their life. You can see a neighbor going through something and try to help them as they're going through their need. We just help people in need. You see somebody carrying stuff in at work, you help them. You do what you can to help people in need because the Bible tells us that this is the way the wise person acts. The Bible says that, that we are to be sexually moral. And so we look at our life and we say, am I being sexual? Is my thought life sexually moral? Are the things I'm putting in my eyes sexually moral? You know, are my actions sexually moral? Or have I given into the culture? Wisdom is in obeying the Word. The Bible says... Don't steal. It doesn't say just, it doesn't simply say don't steal a lot of things. It says don't steal. Not the pencil, not the pen, not anything. Now, my dad used to always tell people, you know, the pens on the chairs, you can take those with you anytime you want. In fact, take them and leave them places. Why? Because they say Calvary, Calvary Church on the side of them, so that's okay. So don't feel bad if you take a pen. But he says, don't steal. Don't take what isn't yours. Just live by the... This is a principle that will 
build your life, will help your life. The, 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 I remember we had one kid in, our, in my youth group, and this kid, he, he would always tell me the truth. And boy, he, he did some, you know, dumb stuff sometimes. But I could go to him and sit him down and say, okay, were you a part of that or weren't you? Yeah, well, he always, he just told me the truth. And I learned that about him. And, and there have been two or three times when he told me the truth when he could have lied to me really easily. And then there came a time when he got in trouble and, and I was sitting with him and I said, did you do that? And he went, Pastor, honest, I did not do that. Now what was my reaction? I believed him because there were other times when he told the truth when he could have lied. You tell the truth. And my dad always told me if I got in trouble at school, if you get in trouble at school and you did it, just take your lumps. Don't get me involved because it'll just get worse. It'll just get worse. And I, a couple of times I had something happen that I wouldn't, I said, Dad, I'm getting, I didn't do this. And he'd always look at me and say, now I'm going to go down there and talk to him. But is, there better not be anything else to this story than what you're telling me. What was he saying? You better be telling me the truth. There better be nothing else out there. This is just a, the, the walk of wisdom. So the Bible tells us not to lie. It tells us not to steal, not to do these. The, here's, here's a bit. the Bible tells us to be kind to others. And it's easy to be kind to people that we like or that have some authority over us. But the Bible says be kind to everybody, to be patient, to be generous, to be generous. Going to hold on to your seats a little bit? The Bible tells us to tithe. And, and you can dismiss that all you want, but the Bible tells us to do it. Now, is, that, is, is it wise to ignore the Bible? I would say no. Trusting his word is what makes us wise. So, hear me in your life. If there is something in your life that is not as it should be, you're not finding the fruit of what God promises in it. You're looking at the promise and you're holding on to it, but it's not happening. Then you've got to look at the condition of the promise. You've got to look at the rest of the word and say, am I doing something that's keeping me from having the blessing of wisdom in my life? Have I broken something that's keeping me from experiencing? So I, what do I have got to do? I've got to seek out the Word of God about anything like that in my life, and I've got to pray because sometimes it's in the middle of prayer where God says to us, uh, yeah, there's this thing you're doing over here that's keeping me from blessing you. This thing that keeps me from blessing you. And it's about how we act and how we conduct our life. Now, what do we do when the enemy resists? Sometimes in a church, I've been around churches like this, sometimes in a home, sometimes individual life, they have given in so much to the enemy, that there's this overwhelming sense of the enemy. He's disrupting everything. And that's usually because there have been years of breaking the word. Years of breaking the word. And it's just, it's overwhelming in the moment. And I want to tell you, that takes a long time to fix. And sometimes it's not fixable. It, it blows up and it's got to start over because the spirit is, of the enemy is so embedded in the people and the way they see things. If people will repent, anything can be healed. If people will turn to God and say, no, from this day forward, I'm going to obey God, anything can be healed. But if people get their, their, their heels dug in and sides get picked and people decide what they're going to do and it's outside of God's word, that the enemy's gotten his way in that situation. 
Sometimes in a home, sometimes in a church, sometimes in our life, there's just resistance. Uh, in a church, there'll be some people get it and others don't. And it's just this, it just makes it hard, makes it difficult. One of the things I really noticed when I, when I moved from being a youth pastor to the pastor, uh, pastoring the adults, if I would get up in front of the teenagers and talk about generosity and giving, they got it quick. They gave generously. They, they participated. And God just you know, used them and, and showed them miracles in their life to help them do the things they wanted to do. If I talked to them about music, there was this resistance. It, it, I, sometimes I would feel like there's a glass wall between me and them. I'm talking and they're not listening. When I came over to the adult side, it wasn't long until I realized that was flipped. If I talked about some of the music people listen to, I saw adults going, that's right, these kids need to stop listening. <laughs> See, they, they got it. If I talked about money, the glass wall came down. That's resistance. That's the enemy wanting me to... My attitude towards the Word should be very simple. If the Word says it, I'm going to trust it. That's why I say to you, if I can back up what I say with the Bible, then listen to me. If I can't, ignore me. Say, oh, Pastor, I had a bad day today. Can't back that up. But if you're continually arguing away the Word, that's foolishness. Wisdom is in obeying the Word. So, Here's what can happen in a, in a church setting. In a church setting, you take something like uh, soul winning. And we'll get up and we'll say, listen, there are people all around us that are going to hell. You work with people, you serve people, you know people, and they're going to hell. Easter's coming. Take these invite cards. Go invite them to church. Not even telling you to go sit and share faith with them. And some of you go out and you send them to everybody you know. You'll send 20 or 30 or 40 of them out. What are you doing? You get it. And the person sitting right next to you may not even take a pack. Should they? Well, you know, they're, they're bashful. Then they need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, God, help me. The reason we're left on this planet is to go into all the world and make disciples. That's why we're left on this planet. That's what our job is. That's what the Christian, the Christian job is, is for us to reach out to the lost. And, you know, I, I tell you, I, I think I probably gave out 40 invites to people to come to Easter. I know for sure two did. I don't know if the others did or not. They could have, and I didn't see them, but I know two did. I know some of them were back last Sunday. So praise God. But my job isn't, my job in this isn't to, get, isn't to save them. My job isn't even to make sure they get to church, even though I should try with all of my might to get them there. My job is to invite them, and if, I, if, I, if they need help to get there, to help them get there. That's my job. Time and time again. Now, when the whole church does that, when every person says, you know what, that is biblically sound. That's biblically sound. Then there's no resistance, and we make headway in a hurry. When 10% of the church gets it, 90% don't. Or 50% get it, and 50% don't. When some participate and some don't, there's resistance from the enemy trying to fill us with fear. That we have to pray about. That we have to pray about. It, it, it comes down to the same thing, holiness. Holiness. You know, being a people who are set apart unto God, whose lives are righteous and obeying God's Word, who don't go out of here and get mad and cuss people out, who don't go live sexually immoral lives, 
who don't get caught up in the things of this earth and cheat and lie and steal. If the church gets that, then the church becomes a more and more of a shining light of the gospel. If there's people in the church who excuse that away, then we've got issues. And we've got to pray about that. The enemy will take those pockets. And if those pockets are allowed to grow and infill and infest the rest of the church, then the church moves farther and far, closer and closer to rebellion against God. And we, we can talk about money. Uh, generosity is one of those things that when we talk about it, it shouldn't be a negative thing. It should be a positive thing. God, listen, God loves the cheerful giver. Some of you said it. Some of you maybe are afraid to. Cheerful giver. God loves the cheerful giver. Why wouldn't I want that? And here's the truth. When people really get saved, they become generous because their heart gets changed. So as we sit here today and we think about this, there are people dying and going to hell. There are people in the world who are starving, who need food, who need clothing. Why wouldn't I be generous? Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I pay my tithe? Because the enemy pushes against us. And I've heard people say, yeah, some people just give a tip and not a tithe. And I think, no, they don't. A good tip is 18 to 20 percent, folks. <laughs> Are you hearing me? That's, if, you, if, you, if you're giving less than 18, 20 percent, you're not even being a good tipper. Is that true? That's right. So why, why, would I, why wouldn't I be generous if I believe God is my provider, if I believe God blesses those who bless others, if I believe God protects my family as I'm a, why wouldn't I be a tither? Because the enemy is trying to keep you trapped and keep you from having fullness of life. He's trying to keep you from having the blessing of God upon your life. He's trying to keep you from having the riches of God upon your life. He's trying to keep you from walking in the fullness of God. The enemy's trying to rob you. And he's robbing you through greed. So instead of being under the blessing of God, you're sitting out over here where the blessing of God can't come on your life. So I'm just telling you, you need to stop it. You trust God. And you say, well, I just don't need... Pastor, this makes me mad. Then you need to go pray about that because if it's the Word, it's the Word. Amen? Amen? Doesn't matter whether, you know, I get excited about it today. Let me tell you when you're going to get excited about it. When you begin to see it working in your life. When you begin to see God's blessing in your life. And that's, that's when, you start telling, when you start telling the truth and before long you start realizing, you know what, my life's so much easier now because I tell the truth. When you stop losing your temper and you begin to realize you know what, I don't lose my temper and scream and yell at everybody all the time. And boy, there's a lot more peace here. Wow. When you start being kind to people and, and people start being kind to you back and you're going, hey, this is a pretty good deal. This is a pretty good deal. And I try to be kind to everybody. Every now and then somebody isn't kind to me. I just say, that's their problem. Right? I don't, have to, I, don't want to get in, I don't want to get in their mud puddle with them. Let them stand there in the mud puddle. I'm going to go on and be kind. Amen? So just, here's the deal. Wisdom comes from obeying the Word of God. And here's the deal. When you adorn yourself with that, when you follow the instructions, that's when you begin to live a beautiful life. That's when you begin to walk in security. That's when you begin to have this blessing of God upon your life, and you don't have to fear calamity. You don't have to fear what's going to happen next because you're right in the middle of God's will. Now, next week, we're going to talk about some of the benefits of wisdom. And uh, you don't want to miss that. We start looking at the things that God, some more things that God promises us when we do the right thing. So let's stand together today, and we'll pray. Father, I, I, don't wanna, I, I don't want people to do things just because I tell them to. Father, I know my, 
my wisdom is only as powerful as, Father, me telling what you say. So, Lord, I, I pray if there's any of us here tonight that there's some place in our life where we're not acting wisely. Something we've mentioned, something we haven't mentioned. Father, right now in these next few moments, just speak it to us. Let us hear it without excuse. Let us realize we need to turn and act another way. Your word says if any among us lack wisdom to ask you for it and that you'll give it liberally and you won't hold any of it back. Father, we're asking for wisdom. I'm asking you to touch us with wisdom. And I pray everyone in this room would be asking for wisdom. And Father, just show us any area of our life today, as we go through life tomorrow and things happen tomorrow and we start to act the way we've always acted, just... Father, tap us on the heart and say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not wise. And let us learn the path of wisdom. I pray you'd bless this people for being here tonight by giving us new wisdom to walk in your authority and your power. Bless our homes because of it. Bless our lives because of it. And Father, let us be men and women who shine in a dark world because we've overcome the world by the power of your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight. May his joy be on your heart.